right, well, welcome everyone. We are right at the top of the hour, so I want to make sure we have enough time to get through all of our content here. So we will go ahead and get started. I want to start off by, again, welcoming you all, thanking you for joining us today. My name is Sierra King, and I'm the Director of Admissions at the Data Incubator, and we are a fellowship, scholarship, and placement company. And I am joined today by our excellent head instructor, Robert Scholl, who wouldn't mind introducing yourself. Hi, everybody. My name is Robert, joining you from beautiful Alameda, California. Uh, and today we're going to tell you a little bit about uh, what it takes to be a fellow at the Data Incubator uh, and specifically how to get ready for your capstone projects. Awesome. So we have an excellent info session today where we, again, will provide you with some tips, tricks, and insider help to help you earn that full tuition scholarship for our data science or data engineering program. And we will also help you master your capstone project proposal, and we'll share our best tips and suggestions for acing your TDI interview. To start things off, I would like to give you a quick overview of our program and everything that we offer here at the Data Incubator. If you have any questions, please place them in the Q&A section, and we will answer them at the end of the presentation. As a reminder, our session is an hour long today, so if we don't get to all of your questions, please email us at admissions at the datingcubator.com and we will be happy to help you. We'll also drop that email address in the chat so you have it for reference as well. So I know I briefly went over this, but our agenda for today, our staff introductions, which you have gotten a chance to meet virtually, me and Rob so far. We'll be doing a program overview. We'll go into what makes a TDI fellow and how you earn that fellowship spot. And then we also have some capstone and interview tips for you. So for our winter 2022 cohort, we're very excited to announce that we'll be offering four data-focused programs. We'll be offering our successful full-time data science fellowship program our part-time data science fellowship program and our part-time data analytics, and then our new full-time data engineering program. We are very excited about our data engineering program and we will also have a session next week, same time, same place, where you'll be able to learn a little bit more information about the program and have an outline of that as well. So join us next week if you're interested in learning more. But we will do an overview of all of our programs here. So a couple things to keep in mind, all of our programs are intense. They are built around hands-on data-focused curriculums and we offer both full-time and part-time programs for our data science program and then a full-time version of our data engineering and a part-time data analytics program. All are packed with a lot of information and tools. All of our programs are thorough. Each week focuses on a different data tool or approach. And in addition to our lectures, we have our students participate in hands-on practice we really believe in fostering an interactive learning environment. And so in each program, our students will work on many projects that focus on that data tool or approach they are studying for those weeks. And additionally, all of our programs are very collaborative. We want students not only to work with their colleagues and instructors, but also have the opportunity to network and connect with our hiring partners. And our programs are career focused. We'll have career coaches that help you succeed in your data focused careers, You'll not only learn how to present your best self by attending our career search workshops, but you'll also have the opportunity to work with one of the number one resume writing companies that actually specialize in data science. And you'll be, you'll receive a polished resume and cover letter at the end of the program. And then lastly, all of our programs are interactive. Every student in all of our programs is provided a Jupyter server for the duration of the course. So students can follow along and lecture and see and edit raw code that's being run. 
and you'll receive immediate feedback via our inter interactive grader. And if you'd like to see more detailed information about our curriculums for each program, you can email us at admissions at thedatingcubator.com. We also have some really amazing resources available on our datingcubator.com website. So if you go to the program page, you can download each of the program outlines. And if you would like to talk about any of the programs in more detail, you're always welcome to connect with an enrollment counselor there. And so our program outcomes, the Data Incubators programs are designed to train academics for careers as data scientists, data analysts, and data engineers in the business world. Each student will complete a capstone project that applies a different data science tool or approach that they've learned to a real world problem of their choosing. This is a great portfolio piece to add to your resume to showcase your ability to work with real world data. And then in our data science program, we see on average 82% of our graduates are working as data scientists within six months of completing their program. More data to come on our data analytics program, and we haven't run our data engineering program yet, but we will have some more data in the next couple of months for you there. And then as far as our graduates, so far our graduates are working in over 55 different industries, including software, IT, internet, financial services, biotech, and many more. And then here is just a quick overview of some of our hiring partners. If you would like to see a more detailed list, again, I keep saying this email. It's probably in the chat at this point, but if not, email us at admissions at the datingcubator.com and we'd be happy to share a more detailed list with you as well. All right, so now we're going to go into what makes a TI fellow. And if you're brand new to the dating incubator programs, you may be wondering, what is a fellow? So we admit two types of students into our data science and data engineering programs. Fellows are offered tuition-free scholarships to our full-time program, and we offer a limited number of these scholarships to highly qualified candidates, candidates, and we'll outline exactly what this means. Fellows are expected to leave any current employment to attend our programs and are expected to interview exclusively with our hiring partners. Scholars are the other type of students that we admit into our program. Scholars will pay tuition to participate in our program. They are not required to interview solely with our hiring partner network and may maintain any current employment. And scholars still have the same access to curriculum, resources, and tools as our fellow students. And just a reminder, full tuition scholarships are not offered for the part-time program. So if you have already submitted your application and you're interested in one of those full tuition scholarship spots, please email us admissions again, and we will be able to switch that for you on your application there. So a couple of things of what makes a TDI fellow. So a couple of things to note here is you'll have a master's or a PhD in a scientific or technical field. You'll have solved real world problems with data in a job or research program. So make sure to upload a current resume that outlines your previous projects, training and experience. So we can really get a full picture of what you've done and your accomplishments so far. You'll want to be comfortable in at least one programming language. A question we get asked pretty frequently is Python, what we prefer. And Python is our preferred language. It's what's used most frequently throughout the program, but having experience and programming in any language is acceptable and helps boost you for those fellow spots as well. Another thing to keep in mind is you'll wish to start a new job at the conclusion of the program, a big component of the fellowship spots is that you are, we are looking to place you with one of our hiring partners and you'll be interviewing exclusively with them during the program and for three months after. So you'll wanna make sure that that is a goal of yours is to find new employment at the end of the program. 
And you want to be able to keep an open mind about industries and locations for your next job. We understand that there's sometimes location and uh, relocation constraints. So keeping in mind that if you're more open with your job search, there's more opportunities available for you. And then you'll, throughout the program, you'll complete an engaging and purposeful capstone project. You want to score well on the coding challenge. We are looking for the quality of your work, not just the number of problems you complete. So you won't be docked necessarily uh, a significant amount of points for skipping over a question or a section. Just make sure that you're doing your best work in the sections that you do complete. And then previous work experience is a plus, but is not a requirement for these fellow spots as well. I do wanna know is that each applicant goes through several stages of review. So there is a resume review, code review, and interview, interview and capstone project pitch review before we make our decision. So those who score the highest in each area are offered a fellow spot for the program. And then we will be going into more detail about the capstone project, but just a couple things to keep in mind at what we consider an excellent capstone project. So you'll start by trying to solve a real problem and bring some novel insight to that problem, turn your project idea into working code and iterates quickly to explore the data and yields a useful product at its end. So keeping in mind who that end user is for your product. And then one thing to keep in mind is that we don't expect a completed capstone project for you to be admitted into the program or to receive a fellow spot. What we're really looking for is a unique idea, the business use case, and some exploratory data analysis. But we do want to give you some tips to help you pick that project and finalize that idea. And then throughout the program, you'll be refining that. So at this point, I will pass to Rob to give you some more tips and tricks for an excellent capstone project. Thanks, Sierra. Um as we said, uh, Capstone Project is a major part of your uh, time here at the Data Incubator. So selecting a good one is important. I want to talk a little bit about how to do that. But first, we should start by saying, well, what is the point? Why are you doing this Capstone Project? Uh, and the main reason for this is to make sure that you go through all of the individual parts of a data science project. That comes from starting with ideation, coming up with the plan for the project, gathering the data, cleaning the data, doing your analysis, and then preparing a result that can be shared with other people. All of those are very important parts of the data science process, and we want to make sure you have experience with all of those. Uh, when you're here at the Data Incubator, be working through a series of what we call mini projects. These are where you prove your skill on a particular area of data science. One might be on machine learning, one might be on SQL, one might be on some other subject. Uh, and those show that you can do each of those individually. The capstone is really about testing that all of these can be pulled together into a unified project, showing that you understand how these pieces relate and can be used for a practical project. So in addition to having you show off uh, putting these things together, uh, the capstone project is also used for a couple other, uh, well, uses. <laughs> Firstly, you will be going through interviews. Uh, and in interviews, a very common question you're going to get is, how would you deal with this particular problem as part of the data science pipeline? And in those cases, it's very useful to have a project that you've completed, or at least are working on, where you can directly pull your experience. So you should be able to talk about any part of a data science project based on your experience with the, uh, the capstone that you've worked on. The capstone is also gonna become a portfolio piece for you. Uh, you want to be able to show it off, attract attention. 
these days, as a technical uh, person, as somebody doing programming in some form or the other, like it or not, GitHub is part of your portfolio. It is something that people will look at to assess you as a candidate. Uh, and the Capstone Project is a great thing to be able to show off on GitHub. Not only is this the code you've written, but you can possibly show some of those end results as well as links. And then finally, uh, the best Capstone projects in a given cohort, those will be shown off at our Capstone Showcase. Uh, this happens every quarter where we invite uh, our hiring partners to come in uh, and see presentations from some of the best Capstones of that thing. And that's a great way to get in front of there, but everyone is invited, not just the presenters, all students are invited. Uh, and half of the Capstone Showcase at least is spent in more informal meetings where you get to meet in small groups with the hiring partners, talk about what you've learned, what you're doing. Uh, and this is a great way to start getting those connections formed uh, and possibly even turn those into some interview possibilities. That's why you have the Capstone Project. What are we looking specifically for on our end? Well, we try to be a little bit vague with our requirements because what a good Capstone Project will look like will depend a lot on the subject of that Capstone Project. We don't want to make you do a lot of busy work just to get things checked off. We want you to be doing the work that is relevant for your particular project. That said, there's five things that we uh, insist that any good capstone project will have. Uh, and we'll go through these uh, in a little more detail later on. But firstly, a clear business objective. There has to be a problem that you're actually solving. Uh, one of the things our hiring partners say again and again is they don't want academic projects. So there has to be a clear problem that you're solving. You need to do some non-trivial data ingestion and preparation. Uh, most data scientists uh, estimate that they spend at least 80% of their time as data scientists gathering, cleaning, preparing data for analysis. It's not that exciting stuff that everybody likes to talk about, but it's absolutely critical to the data scientist. Uh, so we want you to show that you have this experience as well. You need to be able to communicate your results. So the capstone needs to have several different types of visualizations. Frankly, you're gonna make these anyway as you try to help yourself understand the data, uh, but you should take the time to make sure that these are clear and conveying that story to the user. We want you to do something rather technical, and we have three areas where we insist that every capstone involves at least one of those. That might be some machine learning, that might be some distributed computing, or it might be some interactive website or web app that shows off some of these results. Many of our projects actually involve multiple elements of this, uh, but every project needs to have at least one of those. And finally, at the end, there has to be something that you produce, some deliverable that you can give to us say, this is what I've done for my Capstone project. It could be a website, it could be a Jupyter notebook, it could be a report. We've had all sorts of different forms. Uh, we don't care too much about the exact form. In fact, you should think about that business objective and choose the form that best satisfies that objective. I'm sure this seems all very vague and uh, theoretical at this point. Uh, so let's talk about a couple memorable ones uh, off the top of my head. And it's not displaying very nicely, but that's okay. I'll tell you what's going on in them anyway. One um, uh, I remember out here was a student wanted to determine what the best ramen restaurants were here in the Bay Area. And it turns out if you look at Yelp, for example, all ramen restaurants have 3.5 stars. So the star rating isn't telling you much, but by looking at what people actually wrote about those restaurants, uh, the student was able to determine that there were a bunch of different options there, different things that people were interested in. 
And depending on which of these things you were interested in, could recommend a particular restaurant to you. Uh, another uh, fellow built a system that allowed you to find pets to adopt. Uh, if you remember back before the pandemic, there used to be pets you could adopt from shelters. Um, uh, now I think they've all been adopted, which is nice. But in the before times, uh, you might want to try to find a pet of a particular look or particular breed, and you might not know the details. So they built a project that lets you upload a photograph and they would find other similar pets that were available to be adopted in your area. Uh, another project I have to remember it was assembling a fantasy basketball team. Uh, uh, and we'll come back to that because it might sound a little bit trivial at first, but it's actually very important. Uh, the two examples here, uh, looking at tweets during the Super Bowl. What are people saying about the game as it's happening? Uh, another very nice project, uh, trying to predict flight delays. Uh, are you going to be stuck uh, or in an airport for longer than you think, especially during a layover? Uh, if you're interested in finding out more about these, uh, send an email to admissions at thedataincubator.com. That website we website, email that we keep saying over and over. We'll be happy to send you links to these videos, which are actually work unlike what they're doing for the presentation right now. So that's what the capstone is doing, but how do you make that excellent one, that one that really stands out? And I have a couple of uh, things to think about. First of all, start with that problem. Understand the problem and the, uh, and the solution that you're attempting to develop from it. And that's because businesses want to hire people who actually solve real practical problems. One of the things you'll be fighting as uh, an academic, as I think many of you are, coming out of school, is that uh, people will have this preconception that you are just uh, this ivory tower thinker that doesn't know how to solve real things. So make sure you find a problem uh, and figure out how you're going to solve that problem with your work. As part of that, you want to consider uh, who that user is that has this problem and what you can do to help solve them. Uh, this helps you understand the problem better. And it actually makes a lot of the decisions you have to make in your capstone project a lot easier. When you're faced with those 17 different things you could do at any given step, instead of trying to rate them, you ask the question, which of these would help my user the most? And then you do that one thing. One way to find that user is to have that user be you. Uh, so if you have a problem, you know that a user with that problem exists, and you know precisely what that user is looking for in terms of a solution. So some of the best projects we've seen are projects where people are trying to solve a problem that they had themselves. This makes it easier to get that personal connection to the problem. And in general, it tends to produce a lot more passion as people are talking about it. If this is something they have, they can really explain that problem themselves. And that excitement is contagious. If you're excited about your project, the audience is going to become excited about it as well. And that's exactly what you want to get in these capstone projects. Now, we encourage you to be a little bit creative and try to find a unique problem, uh, a unique project uh, or a unique problem to solve. Uh, those sort of standard generic problems that people like to solve a lot, well, the fact that they're still problems suggests that they're very hard to solve. And it's a little bit less believable that you're going to come in and find something new. A lot of people have tried to predict the stock market, and they aren't rich yet. What do you have that really suggests that you're going to manage to do this better than those? Uh, so maybe you have something, uh, but it's a bit of a higher hill to climb and a little bit less likely chance of success. 
Uh, we've seen the same sort of projects many times over. Our hiring partners have seen the same sort of projects many times over. You want to stand out a bit. So a couple things you can do. First of all, find a new data set. Find a data set that seems a little bit obscure or that not many other people have looked at. Um, we have seen the New York City bike share data set used many, many times. Doesn't mean it's a bad data set, but it doesn't stand out quite as much. Or you can use a common data set in a new way. That New York bike share data set, I've seen many times to try to predict where bikes will be and where they're gone. But I've only seen one person use it to try to predict traffic pass stores to understand the market size in those areas. So a very common data set, but now used in a new way that uh, is exciting and, and innovative. I'd encourage you to get started on this process right now. Coming up with good ideas takes time. Finding data that will actually help you answer those questions takes even more time. Uh, you don't really want to wait until you get to this step on the application and suddenly have to try to rush and put everything together right at that point. Start that thinking process now so that you uh, can come into the application knowing about the direction you're going to go. Uh, and similarly, start thinking about the steps you're going to take. Uh, as Sierra said, we're not expecting you to come in with a finished, a finished project, because if you did, you wouldn't need to come to the data incubator. But we do like to see definite plans. Uh, how are you going to go from this data that you've uh, started gathering to a solution to that user there? These plans will change as you gather more data, as you see what it reveals, but that planning is very worthwhile. I saw a, a quote very recently that I really liked, that plans are useless, but planning is invaluable. So show us that planning. Uh, now, Sierra will tell us a little bit about uh, what the hiring partners specifically are looking for uh, in your capstone projects. So unique projects. This may sound like a cliche, but you'll want to think outside of the box. Many of our hiring partners as well hopefully have attended our capstone showcases for several years. And I've seen a lot of the same projects and a lot of the same approaches to different data sets and are looking for new and creative ideas. So again, even if you take a data set that's been used before, what's a unique angle or approach you can use throughout your project? A clear business objective or takeaway, the best projects have a real world business application and they have an end user. So keep that in mind. And that is really what our hiring partners are looking to see throughout your presentation. And something applicable, again, this goes right back into that real world business application. So something that can be applied immediately and that people will be able to use. You'll want to showcase your technical abilities. This is your opportunity to show hiring partners your technical skills, highlight your abilities and show hiring partners why you'd be a great addition to their teams. And then you'll show off your data visualization skills. This will come into play later on as you are fine tuning your project throughout the program. You'll have assistance from our instructors to help you in this area. But again, this is really what they're looking to see throughout your the program as well. And then I am going to pass back to Rob to go over a couple of things you'll want to avoid when you are working on your capital project. Yes, we told you all about what you should do, but sometimes knowing what you should do is even more useful. Uh, so the first thing is I'd suggest don't try to choose a project solely based on a cool data set. A lot of people will say, oh, this is this interesting data set here. Uh, I bet I can build a project around it. And some of these can be successful, but in general, they tend to struggle to find that user. They end up going a bunch of different ways as they're exploring the data, 
essentially hoping to find this good use case. Uh, and remember what we said before, you are fighting that ivory tower stereotype that you are just an academic thinker that doesn't know how to do projects that actually matter. Uh, and choosing a project based on the fact that you had the data is unfortunately playing into this. So uh, if you uh, are able, I would not start with the data set and start, start with that problem and then try to find the data sets that are gonna be applicable to solving that problem. Secondly, I'd encourage you not to choose a project based solely on the industry where you're looking for the job. And a couple of reasons for that. Uh, first of all, I'd encourage all of you to keep uh, your options open. Consider a broad range of industries. You don't know who's hiring right now. You don't know what opportunities are out there right now. So don't restrict yourself too much by saying, oh, I'm only going to look in this particular area. Um, you're not looking for your dream job right now. Uh, you're looking for something that's going to give you good experience in the next three to five years. Uh, and that will then help you move on to that next job there. So keep that broad uh, view of the industries you're interested in. But moreover, uh, hiring partners are a little bit less interested in solving a problem that they have as opposed to uh, solving a area or solving a technical problem that they're trying to solve. And they will be able to see how they can apply the things that you've come up with to try to solve the problems that they have. I mentioned this thing about a, uh, a fantasy basketball team before. This actually got one of our hiring partners very, very interested. Not because they were trying to assemble their own fantasy basketball team, but they saw that the techniques that the student was using to solve that problem would apply to a problem that they had internally. Uh, and finally, uh, you're unlikely to solve uh, their problems better than they already have. If you try to solve the same problem in that same field, now you're going up against experts and they're going to see uh, the, uh, the details and ask those very tough questions. Whereas if you're solving a new problem, one that they haven't worked on, you get to show your innovation, but you're not going up against experts in that particular area in an interview with that company. Uh, and finally, I'd encourage you not to choose a project uh, just to use a particular technology. Again, we want to avoid being academic. Uh, you're being solved to, I'm sorry, you're being hired to solve problems, not to use a particular technology. It may seem very fancy to uh, you know, use TensorFlow to solve a problem. But if you could actually solve that problem with Excel instead, that wasn't an impressive solution. That was a bunch of wasted time, energy, and effort to find that. So work for that problem and then use the right tools to solve that particular problem. Uh, now, you're going to be presenting this capstone project a number of times, but the first time is going to be during your interview process with us. So Sierra will tell you some of the thoughts about how to make sure your uh, presentation at the interview goes well. We have even more tips for you. And this one is going to help you perfect your capstone project pitch. It will not only help you during the interview stage and earning that fellow spot, but once you're in the program, if you're selected as a presenter, and even before that, you have multiple opportunities to pitch your project. So take these, keep these in mind as you're going throughout that process here. So your capstone project is your opportunity to tell your story, know your audience and engage with them. The what matters just as much as the why. So provide context, set the stage and um, use descriptive language and make the why easy to understand. The context makes the story relatable and memorable.
during your peach or your speech, your speech, <laughs> my speech, if I could correct that, uh, how you speak matters just as much as what you're saying. So the tone of your voice speaks volumes, how you're emphasizing what you're saying by the inflections in your voice. And you'll want to record yourself to assess the type of speaker that you are and watch the recording and take notes. And then think about what's the takeaway. You have to pay attention to how you speak, and this can matter just as much as what you're saying. And it's very obvious when someone is confident and clear, and it's also just as obvious when a person isn't. So make sure that you use some time to prepare before any pitch that you have. And then you'll want to end with a bang. Again, another cliche that we have in here, but it really resonates when you are pitching this project. Every story has a beginning, middle, and end. If someone only remembers how you ended, what will be the lasting impact you leave with that person? And will your ending leaving, leave the audience wanting more? So that's really what you want when you're pitching that project. You want us to have, want to have more information and hiring partners want to reach out to you and have more questions about your project or your process and how you came up with it. And you'll want to make sure that your pitch is focused in your capstone project proposal interview portion. You have three minutes to pitch your project and three minutes go by very fast. So make sure that your main message is easy to understand. Make sure that it is interesting. And this is all going into preparing and recording yourself and watching those recordings. Would someone want to learn more? Again, that's that ending with a bang. Do you leave us wanting more information about your project and your processes? And then were you likable during that conversation? Was it easy to understand, easy to follow? Were you confident? Those are all very important things to keep in mind. And then a couple notes for our admissions interviews. Interviews will take place in groups of anywhere from three to five students. And each interview will take approximately 30 minutes to an hour, depending on the group size. And again, you'll have two to three minutes to pitch your project and show your initial findings. And you'll have an opportunity to share a link to your work and deliverables. And we will follow along during your interview with the link that you share in the chat. And your focus will want to be on the project proposal you submitted with your application, discuss your motivation for selecting this project, your data set, and the analysis you're performing. After you present it, instructors will ask you technical questions about your project, the scope, audience, business application, and takeaways. So make sure that you're not only prepared to pitch, but you're able to answer these questions as well about your project. And then if time permits, other students may ask you questions about your project as well. And then there will be a partnerships team member to ask you questions related to your job search in that interview. A couple things to keep in mind. Again, your pitch and the interview time goes by fast. So make sure that you test your technology beforehand. Things happen, so test your technology, your internet connection before your interview to ensure there are no technical glitches. Our admissions team will be available via email, so if for some reason you can't get connected or you're not able to find the link, we do a pretty good job of sending that out to you, but if for some reason you're having difficulty, make sure you reach out to us at least 30 minutes before your interview so we can help get you situated. Use a computer, please do not use a phone because it's harder for us to understand and follow along with you during that presentation. Test your project links to ensure they're working properly and familiarize yourself with the chat and interface in Zoom to share your project link. 
And once you have access to schedule your interviews, we encourage you to schedule them as soon as, pos as possible. Spots are first come, first serve and fill up very quickly. And we're unable to grant additional spots or extend the interview schedule. So once you get that email, make sure that you schedule as soon as possible. If you have any difficulty scheduling or for some reason something comes up and you need to change and it's before your interview, we'll do our best to work with you there. And then another thing to keep in mind is you'll want to prepare in advance. So dress professionally. Again, cannot stress this enough, but practice your pitch and create an outline to ensure that you are clearly able to speak and present your project in the time presented. And you'll want to limit your distractions. So make sure that you are focused on your interview, you're focused on your screen, getting there early so that you're prepared and you feel confident in your interview. So continue working on your project. If you haven't started already, we want you to be able to present more than you submitted for your project proposal, have a compelling intro and interesting takeaways and be specific and concise and make the most of your two to three minutes. And then be natural. We want you to prepare in advance, but not so that you're sounding or looking like a, ro a robot that's reading from a script. Be confident in your work abilities and make sure that you are prepared to pitch in that two to three minute time period. A couple things I want to go over before we open it up to our Q&A is just some important dates to keep in mind. So our winter full-time cohorts start January 10th and they will run for eight weeks ending on March 4th, 2022. And then our part-time cohorts also start on January 10th. Those run for 20 weeks ending around May 27th. And then our early application deadline is Friday, October 8th. And then the challenge deadline is October 11th. And all of those times, for due dates are 11.59 p.m. UTC. So keep that in mind, that is not Eastern time. UTC depends on uh, where you are. The time is different depending on where you're located. So if you have any questions there, we're happy to clarify that for you. And then some specifics about the application. Again, we ask that you submit your application by Friday, October 8th. And when you do, make sure you mention that you attended the session today and you will get priority application review. And then you'll have that 72 hours to complete your challenge from the time you open it. And the challenge deadline is October 11th. You can't complete the challenge unless you submit the application. So just in general, I recommend you complete the application and the challenge sooner than later to avoid any technical issues. We are unable to reopen the application or challenge after that deadline. And then if you are interested in applying to our program, if you're here today and you haven't already, which I hope that you are, you can go to the datingcubator.com slash apply, apply to submit your application. And if you have any questions about your specific situation, this presentation, or going through the application process, again, that email we keep dropping, admissions at the datingcubator.com. Email us there. We can connect you with an enrollment counselor to help you answer those questions. And then again, if you haven't already, if you already submitted your application, email us if you would like to have that priority consideration for attending today. If you haven't submitted your application, you still have some time to add that there. And then these are the dates for our early admissions application. We do host a regular admissions cycle. We'll post those dates once this cycle closes, but we do administer fellow spots on a first come first serve basis. So there's a, you have a higher probability of receiving a fellow spot in early admissions than you do in regular. So I really encourage you to submit those applications if you haven't already, and then just let us know if you've attended this session today. So at this point, I will open it up to the Q&A. If you haven't put any questions in there yet, please feel free to do so now. We'll answer those live. If you put them in the chat, please move them over to the Q&A if you haven't already, and we will address those. 
So the first one in there, it says, is there any recommended data set size you recommend like CNA, it'd be too small or too big? So Rob, I think this is your expertise. Yes, uh, I'm gonna give you a very wishy-washy sending answer, but I, I'm all behind it, which is you should choose a data set that's the right size to answer the question and solve that problem that you're trying to solve. <laughs> so that can vary over quite a range of sizes. Some projects are going to bring in several gigabytes worth of data because that's the relevant data for that problem. Others might only be dealing with a couple uh, tens or hundreds of megabytes. Um, don't, don't aim at data size as the thing that determines whether a project is good or not. Uh, project being good or not is going to be determined by whether you're finding and solving that problem that somebody actually has. Uh, sometimes you need a lot of data. Sometimes it's a relatively small amount of data, but you're going to look at it in a way that no one has before. Um, long way of saying there is no requirement uh, for uh, the graduation of any particular data size. And the next question in here is, can the Capstone project be a PhD work-related project? I would probably recommend against it. There's, it certainly could be. The problem with that is most PhD projects are by their nature a bit academic, that they're trying to solve an intellectual question a little bit more than they're trying to solve a real use case problem. Um, so as you're thinking about problems, uh, to solve PhD work doesn't always fit quite in there. Uh, and even when it does, it can often be very specific uh, and that can be hard to get that interest in your capstone project. Uh, if you're making one particular engineering technique more efficient, well, that is actually a reasonable problem to solve. Um, so that can turn into a decent capstone project, but that tends not to grab people's attention as opposed to solving a problem that's a little more widespread. So you can, but I would in general recommend uh, uh, against uh, that and try to find another problem out there. Questions. Would it be acceptable as part of the capstone project if you know how to solve the problem, the strategies, but are not familiar with the best tools to apply in that case? Absolutely. And in fact, uh, I would say you don't even have to know all of those steps. Uh, we told you it's good to plan out and know how you are going to attempt to solve this, but some of those can be a bit of question marks. Um, the point is that you should come into the program with a good idea of where you want to go. Um, and we will certainly be teaching you uh, what we think are the best tools to accomplish lots of these things. So uh, absolutely, we don't uh, need you to come in knowing how to do all this. Again, if you were in that situation, you probably don't really need us as much. Uh, so absolutely. All right, it looks like there are, aren't any other questions in the Q&A. So if you haven't had a chance to get your question answered yet, please put those in there. All right, one question here, it says, do you hire TDI graduates to be teacher assistants in the upcoming TDI cohorts? Uh, no, not for a teaching assistant uh, point of view. Uh, a number of the instructors have gone through the program themselves, but we were hired, myself included, but we were hired prior to that uh, and went through the program and more as familiarization. Uh, so uh, while most of us have experience with the program ourselves, we were hired specifically as instructors, as full-time instructors. Um, uh, we do not just take everyone who completed the last program, turn them into assistants for the next program. 
And then what resources do you recommend to find good data sets? Oh, oh, we should have had the link ready and maybe someone can find it quickly and put it in the chat. But there is a blog post uh, that we have that gives a link to a number of those out there. That might be a place to start. Um, I'd also suggest there's a lot of open government websites. Uh, certainly for the whole US, the Census Bureau has an amazing amount of data. Uh, but places like New York City, uh, New Orleans, uh, San Francisco, or three I happen to know, each have their own open data portals uh, with all sorts of information of a number of departments in, the, in those cities. Uh, so those are all great places to go and hunt around to try to find uh, interesting data sets. And we will follow up with this session with an email and we'll send you the links for those projects that weren't able to display in our presentation today. And then we'll also send you some links to the blog post that Rob is referencing as well. Another question here is what are the best ways to gain entry-level data and science analysis experience? Honestly, it's doing work. Uh, this is a practical skill. It's a hands-on skill. You need to do this. Uh, really, like many technical subjects, you need to do the action in order to learn the, the action. Uh, and that's why at the Data Incubator, we're very interested in that hands-on approach, uh, both in terms of our curriculum, which is very much structured around what we call these mini projects, where you'll be solving problems using real-world data and then getting immediate grades off them, but also through this capstone project. Um, where you set yourself an own project, gather the data, produce the result. Um, so if you're looking to do your own self-study, go out and do something. And yes, the first thing you do is going to be a little bit crazy and not work so well, but that is the learning process. So find a problem that you want to solve, find some data that will help you solve that, go try it. And when you get stuck, uh, Google is an amazing tool. <laughs> look up those tools, look up how to use some of those tools to solve those problems. Um, at the Data Incubator, we try to give you a set of tools and techniques that we know and we like, uh, but there's nothing proprietary what, what we teach. It's all general knowledge out there, um, and it's there for you to find out yourself. Okay, another question here is, I have an idea, but I don't know where to get a data source. Is there a community where I can ask for help to find the data, or maybe somebody knows, or is it solely on me to find the data? That is a good question, uh, and that is... Um, that's probably a case I would say where you might want to reach out to um, people in that area. Uh, that is, I don't think that you're going to find a general, we know about all the data there is community. Um, it's more likely though, if you reach out to somebody in that area where the problem exists and say, hey, do you know have people collected this data? Do you know uh, where I might be able to find this data? That said, another good question to ask yourself is what can I find as proxy data? That is, I want to know this thing, but I know nobody has actually gathered it. Can I find something else that's likely correlated with that particular thing? Uh, recall that capstone that, uh, that I briefly mentioned, looking at the New York City bike data to try to understand what traffic on the street looked like. Um, you want, he wanted to know how many people are gonna walk by a given storefront. That information is hard to get unless you actually send somebody out with a clipboard and a, and a clicker and count the people. But by seeing where people are riding bicycles, that is something of a proxy for that information. Um, so there's lots of cleverness you can provide there, but uh, I realize I'm not giving you a definite answer. It's going to take cleverness, yes. 
All right, another question here is, what is the application process like? Should we be ready with a capstone? So just to go back and review for the application, you will submit your typical type of application where you will have some background information about you and you'll attach a copy of your most recent resume. At that point, once you submit your application, you'll be sent an email with a coding challenge that you'll complete. Once you've completed the coding challenge, then our team will go through and we'll do resume reviews. So again, that's why it's very important to make sure you have an updated resume on there so we can see all of your experience, projects, and accomplishments so far. At that point, you'll be invited to interview. And I will say in the coding challenge, there is a capstone project proposal where you will pitch your idea there. And then in the interview is where you will pitch your project that you proposed in your coding challenge. So should you be ready with a capstone? I would say if you're planning on applying for winter, there's no deadline. For, you should start sooner than later. Um, you should start before you submit your application. So you have some time to think about an idea, find a data set, and have an idea in mind when you complete the application. And then you have until the interview portion to actually have a deliverable available there. And as far as how we review candidates, again, it is that resume review, code review, and then we will review your capstone project and notes from your interview to determine admission and then also to determine our top candidates for the fellow spots. Another question here is, can the capstone project be a part of a bigger project? Uh, it can, but I would recommend that you make sure it at least stands alone. That is, you should be able to talk about this project and uh, and have people understand the value of it on its own without understanding the larger part of that project. Um, so I think this relates a little bit to some of those questions about a PhD project or other projects you've been working on. Yes, you can take those things, but it's important that it stands alone and it's often harder to do, harder to decouple those uh, when you take this approach. And then is, is, is the Capstone project data set limited to targeted companies or can I use the data set from to address the problem in a particular field? Uh, use whatever data set you can find um, uh, and legally get access to, I guess I should say. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, it's not restricted to any partner companies. In fact, I'd encourage you to think more broadly. As I said, don't try to target a Capstone project to a particular company. Um, it's people at the most success are actually finding a project that's perhaps unrelated to what a, a particular company is working on, but, uh, but showing that uh, devotion and that passion for that project is what gets the interest from the hiring partners. And then another question here is how long will it take to get an answer if we are selected for an interview? So it's actually very quick from once you move to the interview stage to when you get your acceptance. We generally have interviews Monday through Thursday, and then we send out our acceptances on Friday. So after the coding challenge, there's time built out for you to schedule your interview. And then after you complete your interview in a couple of days, depending on when you schedule is when you will find out if you've been accepted into the program. And then also at that time, you'll find out if you have received one of those full tuition scholarships. Another question here is what to expect in the coding challenge? So there's usually two parts of the coding challenge. Uh, one is testing your ability to deal with data. The other is testing your ability to write a little bit of code. Um, and we're not expecting anybody to complete all the questions in all of those parts. Uh, to a certain extent, what we really are looking for is success in one of those two areas. Uh, 
Certainly, if you can succeed in both areas, that's a, a even larger feather in your cap. But if you're making progress in at least one of those areas, uh, that assures us that you can uh, succeed within the fellowship program. Uh, so as you see some of these coding challenge problems, don't panic if you can't solve all of them. We're not expecting you to solve all of them, uh, but we are expecting you to give at least a couple of them a try and make a little bit of progress on them. I will say too, if you're putting your questions in the chat, we're not able to pull those up. So make sure that you're putting them in the Q&A section to get those answered. And also, if you have any questions, if it's about you specifically or something you don't feel comfortable asking in front of the group, again, email us admissions at the datingcubator.com. We'll get you connected with the counselor to help answer any questions you might have. Okay, are fellow spots deferrable? So no, you cannot defer as a fellow. If you choose to defer your enrollment, you would have to defer as a scholar, which means you'd be a tuition paying student. So if for some reason you cannot accept your spot for a current cohort, I encourage you, if you to withdraw your application and apply again for a future cohort. And then would NLP based capstone projects be acceptable? Absolutely. Uh, NLP, for those who don't know, is natural language processing. Um, and it's a powerful tool because lots of data can be locked up in human text as opposed to nice readable Excel files. Um, uh, so absolutely, um, in terms of topics, we're very broad. And this is why the capstone requirements are very broad. Uh, what we're more interested in is the problems that you're solving uh, with your, your data. Great. If you have other questions, I see a couple being answered right now by our Raven. If you haven't noticed, our moderator here answering questions for us that we are not able to answer live. But if you have other questions that you'd like us to answer, please put those in there. Okay, another one here is: Is there a recommended software or programming language for solving the coding challenge? Whatever you know. Uh, the coding challenge is probably not a great time to be learning a new programming language. Uh, so I'd, I'd stick with a language that you're already familiar with, with that you're comfortable with, uh, and use that there. Uh, as mentioned, we teach mainly Python in the fellowship program itself. Python is used widely throughout the data science industry, so it is something you probably want to know. But we are not looking for usage of a specific uh, language. Uh, if you have experience with just about any programming language, you'll find Python is not too difficult to pick up. Uh, and we have resources to help you do that at the beginning of the program as well. And another part of the benefit of applying early is you receive our priority enrollment package, and that comes with access to Python training course. So if you have some experience in other languages or you want to brush up a little bit on Python, we have some resources available for you before the course starts. And then another question here is how large does the data set need to be for the capstone project? And then a follow-up there is should the data set be updated? Mm -hmm. So no restrictions on the sizes. Uh, the data set should be large enough to solve that problem that you're trying to solve. Uh, and we've had data sets, we've had capstone projects that deal with 10 gigabytes of data. We've had others that deal with 10 megabytes of data. Um, so don't look at that in terms of a qualification for the project itself. As for timeliness, ideally it is up to date um, because you're trying to solve a problem people have right now, but um, it can be okay, especially if you're trying to use data that is not 
usually publicly available, but someone has given a release of some older data, it can be okay to use it as a test case to build a solution around all of this older data to show that, hey, if I were provided with more up-to-date data, now I could make up-to-date predictions. So uh, if you have the choice between old data or up-to-date data, use the up-to-date data. But there are places where you can only get access to somewhat stale data, and that can be okay for a capstone project uh, as it is. And then are data sets from private companies accepted? We encourage you to use an open uh, data set, one that you can share uh, and show around. One of the problems is that some of these uh, private companies limit what you're allowed to do, and you want to be able to be able to show off your capstone project. Uh, but if you have a case where you're allowed to show off results without showing off the underlying data, uh, that is acceptable. All right, we are coming to the end of our session. We have time for maybe one or two more questions. So if there's anything you'd like answered before we end today, please put that in the Q&A. And then it says, do your hiring partners have any costs associated with hiring TDI graduates? So I think you're, if you're asking costs on your end, there is no cost associated with that. But with our hiring partners, they are part of a contract. So there are fees associated with placements. It doesn't look like we have any in the Q&A. Again, if we missed your question today or if we run out of time, email us admissions at the datingcubator.com. We'll be happy to answer those here for you. You can also ask to schedule a call with an enrollment counselor if you have anything you'd like to discuss. And we will be sending you links to these capstone projects for you to review. And then also that blog post that goes over the how to prepare for the capstone encoding challenge. As a reminder, you do receive priority enrollment consideration for attending the session today. So if you haven't already submitted your application, please put that in the notes section. If you have already submitted your application, email us again, admissions at datingcubator.com. I know you've heard that probably 20 times in the past hour, so hopefully you can remember it at this point. Uh, but if not, it is in that chat box for you to copy and send us an email there, and then we will add it to your application. So don't worry if you've already submitted it before today, we can modify that for you. And again, we really encourage those early admissions applications to have that priority enrollment package and also that priority consideration. And thank you everyone so much for your time today. If you have any questions, please let us know and we look forward to seeing your applications very soon.